welcome once again to A Novel Evening. As always, I'm Danny. You can find me over on Instagram as at A Novel Evening Podcast and the same over on TikTok. Hello. <laughs> welcome. Thank you very much for joining me again and for listening. If you're new here, this is the podcast where I chat with authors all about their ideal night of fictional fantasy. And for this episode, we are firstly going to be deep within autumn right now. We've got the cosy blankets out, the candles are lit, and we need a little witchy goodness. And Melissa Torb is bringing just that. But not only is she bringing the witchy goodness, she's also bringing it as a retelling. So if you love Pride and Prejudice, you need to pick up The Scandalous Confessions of Lydia Bennett, which... It contains everything you love about the OG classic, um, but it brings a little sprinkle of magic to proceedings. So I cannot wait to talk to Melinda all about her reasons for choosing to tackle to retell this novel, why she chose Lydia out of the Bennett sisters, and you know just to find out what she is going to bring to her novel evening. Check it out. So a huge hello to Melinda. Hello. Hi, how's it going? How are you doing? Yeah, how are you? How are you? Oh, you're all the way in New York, firstly. I'm very jealous. How is it out there? <laughs> um, it's good here. I actually just got back from London. I was in London for two weeks visiting my family. Um, oh. So I've only been back here for like three or four days. And it's it, it's like perfect fall weather. When I left, it was sticky and hot and disgusting. Oh. And now it's beautiful September weather. And it's just my favorite time here. How does it compare for you, like London and New York? Because I've I've never been. I'm desperate to go. But how different are they? I think they're pretty similar. Um, I've lived in New York for a really long time. I lived in LA for about half a year one time um, when I was doing some TV work. Felt like a complete alien in LA. Like yeah. it really felt. LA feels like more more like a different country to me than London does. I think because of like, it's, you know, similar density, similar, you know, public transit, you don't have to have a car um, and a, a similar sort of like, I don't know, kind of like casual big dick energy <laughs> of like, they yes. both are just very confident that they're the center of the world and that the most interesting things are happening there. Um, yeah. And I guess you're used to that busyness as well. I'm obviously, I'm a country girl. I'm right on the South coast in England. So London for me is real like the country mouse visits the town mouse. I'm like the little one in the corner, but you're kind of used to that constancy, right? Yeah. I mean, I've lived in New York for most of my adult life. So um, it is just sort of like what I'm used to. And in fact, when I go somewhere out in the country, that's really quiet. I tend to get a little creeped out because I feel like no one would hear me if I screamed. Oh, and I was going to ask you how you find writing. Do you like to be somewhere quieter when you're writing or do you enjoy somewhere where you can people watch and that's busy around you? I kind of have to do both. Um, so I started writing this book, the Lydia book, on a train from London to, I think, Rye. Um, and I just was like sort of scribbling in a notebook and it turned into the first few pages of the Lydia book. Um, mostly I write at home, uh, but I do have to... I find myself needing to go to a coffee shop or the library at least a couple times a week. Otherwise I sort of forget how humans talk. Um, yeah. It's good to be around other humans sometimes when I'm writing to sort of like. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll like. be here obviously to talk about, I'm going to read this so I don't accidentally cock up the name. So we're going to talk about the scandalous confessions of Lydia Bennett, which. Mm -hmm. 
So um, firstly, for listeners, tell us about this. We obviously, a lot of us will be familiar with Pride and Prejudice, with the story of Lydia, but tell us about this story. So this is a re-examining of Pride and Prejudice from Lydia's point of view, um, in which we see that she has a whole different secret life um, running parallel to the events of Pride and Prejudice, uh, and that she's been a witch the whole time. Oh, and firstly, you know, it's always a huge thing when you're tackling a character that so many people know, so many Mm -hmm. people have an idea in their heads about what this character is like, you know, the story behind her. What first drew you to write about Lydia? Um, Well, I have read Pride and Prejudice so many times, um, and probably the 38th or 39th time I was reading it, um, I really started to think about Lydia and she really started to sort of like bother me a little bit um at the time I was uh the head writer for an American like political comedy show um so I was very exhausted and stressed all the time and watching the news all day and sometimes the only time that I could really sometimes the only way I could power down was to read Pride and Prejudice so I did that most nights uh before I went to bed so the show I worked for was called uh, Full Frontal with Samantha Bee, and it was very, um, tended to have a very like feminist view on the news. Okay. Um, and so that that tended to be my mindset of like, coming off reading horrible stories about things happening to women, yeah. <laughs> popping myself down with Pride and Prejudice, but still sort of having in the back of my head, the point of view of our show, which was trying to highlight women's stories and mm. the ways that women got screwed if they didn't toe the line. And Lydia does not toe the line and she definitely gets screwed. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's not, she's not the hero of the book. Um, and she's not even really like an anti-hero. Jane Austen does a pretty good job of making her quite annoying. Um, yeah. But she's annoying in a very 15 year old way. The character is 15. She turns 16 and she's annoying in the way a teenager is um, who maybe hasn't figured out how to behave and hasn't figured out quite who she is um and Lydia in the course of Pride and Prejudice spoilers if you haven't read Pride and Prejudice isn't really going to get the the chance to do that um because at age 16 she runs off with an unsuitable guy and her family marries her off to him to preserve what's left of her honor and she's going to have a really hard life uh because of that and I I don't think any 16 year old no matter no matter how annoying um deserves to be married off to some skeevy 30 year old dude um and so it really got me thinking I really love Jane Austen all her books take place in this very narrow sliver of posh regency society um and really the theme of all of them is the characters desperately trying not to fall out of that sliver of society um and the books don't widen their frame outside of that 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 sliver really um but you you get a sense almost like the monster in a horror movie that you don't quite see out of the corner of your eye you kind of have a sense of how bad it could get um but you don't quite see it and the the heroine of pride and prejudice elizabeth bennett is never gonna see how bad it can really get Mm. um the other bennett sisters probably won't really see um they're gonna stay in this privileged bubble lydia falls out of the bubble Uh, She is on her way out at the end of the book and she's going to have a harder life than her sisters, 
but it might also be she might see things that they don't get to see um she might see sides of the world that are closed to them and that was really interesting to me and I started thinking like what if this wide world that she's stepping into is even wider than we think um what if it has you know witches and dragons and enchanted cats and demons and you know when when you're when you step into a more dangerous world there has to be an upside to that as well and I figured there would be it it would be in some ways enchanting and attractive so decided to make it a fantasy book yeah and I feel like that's the best I've ever explained that (laughs) yeah you know it's really interesting as well because when you said Lydia's age I think I almost forgot how young she was and in some ways I know some people really hate Lydia Bennett she's almost Mm -hmm. been villainized a little bit in the book yeah I mean she is annoying as heck in the book (laughs) but she's I don't want to take away from that yeah yeah I was a very annoying 15 year old my parents Mm -hmm. can attest to it I was very rebellious I made very poor choices because I was 15 yeah exactly and Um, I think you're allowed to do that much more in this time yeah yeah whereas back then there was no allowances for Mm -mm. bad behavior or exploration so I think that's where when you said her age I was like oh my god she was 15 Mm-hmm. yeah teenagers hadn't really been invented yet um but Lydia <laughs> was kind of invented it herself to her detriment um and you know the most sympathetic of the Bennett sisters are Jane and Elizabeth and they're in their 20s we don't see them when they were 15 16 they might have been annoying too yeah. um but they've had a chance to grow out of it without um suffering lifelong consequences yeah and was it ever daunting to you when you were taking on this story because I say it's such a beloved story was it ever kind of daunting and one of your favorites as well did you ever kind of feel that responsibility that you were gonna retell this in some way oh yeah um I I felt that somewhat while I was writing it I'm feeling it a lot this week um (laughs) when the with the book about to come out um I really you know I love Jane Austen and I love Pride and Prejudice and I my experience of Austin fans is that they're pretty thoughtful and and interested in different ways of looking at the books. Yeah. But I'm also a little worried that, you know, I'm worried that I that it will come off like I'm like attacking this classic that everybody loves. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully my No, and I think that's the beautiful thing. I mean, we had, you know, Pride, Prejudice and Zombies came out and I can remember hands up, I'm not the biggest classics reader. I never have been. But that for me was like a way in. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, oh, this is really cool. I wonder what the original book is like. And I ended up reading it through that. And I know oh, that's really interesting. Writers. But yeah, I was like, oh, do you know what? I kind of think maybe this would be a, a cool story to just read based mm-hmm. on this. But I think is you know, retellings can be such a good way to introduce newer readers to these classics that maybe they think are a bit dusty or a bit kind of, you know, I wouldn't read that because it's dull. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would make me so happy if people pick up this book and through it want to want to turn to the original Pride and Prejudice. And what was it that caused you to draw magic into this? You've obviously mentioned a little bit about this discovery, but did you always know you were going to bring magic into this retelling? Yeah, that was definitely part of my original idea um, from very, very early on. I, I I think as soon as I really started thinking about doing this sort of Lydia's Eye retelling and this idea of like showing what's going on outside the frame of Pride and Prejudice... I knew I didn't want it to just be depressing. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I wanted there to be upsides to this world that Lydia was in, as well as downsides. And 
it's act it was hard to it would be hard to give Lydia anything like a happy ending um mm -hmm. without <laughs> introducing magic um yeah. because she's in just not a great position at the end of that book um she's married to a really bad guy yes yeah and I was gonna ask you know Wickham is that man we love to hate how much mm -hmm. fun was it to get to tackle him on the page that was um I I ended up really liking my version of him when I started writing the book that was something that I did not know where it was going I thought he might end up being the central villain of the book um oh, yeah. spoiler alert I guess he's not um but he really developed into someone who's not entirely a villain or a hero um okay. and is more sort of complex than I expected I guess um yeah, yeah. I guess the Wiccan we meet in Pride and Prejudice as well is quite conflicted you know he's a bad guy and he does awful things but I think there's a part of him that still thinks that he's justified in the things he's doing that almost makes the character more dangerous sometimes when they truly think there's a reason behind the things they do and I think yeah that's, that's true you know it's very interesting that Austin kind of wrote this character who was that complex Mm -hmm. yeah he has a big chip on his shoulder but yeah. in a way that <laughs> in a way that if we didn't know better he's he you know when he first tells his sob story it sounds very sympathetic yeah it's so intriguing and I have to ask you know do we see other characters in Pride and Prejudice do they make an appearance oh yeah the whole gang's here amazing um, I there are there are a number of of minor characters who crop up um Lydia Bennett in Pride and Prejudice is almost always almost always appears in a pair with her older sister Kitty, um, and Kitty and Lydia are sort of shown to have the same sort of very frivolous teen girlish personality. But Lydia kind of like is the one who drives the plot. Kitty doesn't really she's she's just her sidekick. Um, so as soon as I started writing this, I knew I had to do something fun with Kitty. Um, I was like, is she going to be a witch as well? Uh, and I wanted to do something a little different with her. Then I thought about her name. Uh, so yeah, Kitty is an enchanted cat. Oh, cool. Okay. Oh, that's so exciting. And the big question, the main one I have to ask, mm -hmm. which is your favorite film version of Pride and Prejudice? Of Pride and Prejudice? Um, of Pride and Prejudice. Okay. So I have two that are two very different ones that are tied. One is uh, the 2005 version. That's just the one my 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 family has watched a bunch like it's one that I've watched with my sisters many times so oh, it's the Kira just... Knightley one is that the yeah. one with Matt... I like Matthew McFadden as well he's a good Darcy he is he does a good job of sort of making the transition from jerk to hunk yeah um, he looks very good in the rain mm -hmm. yeah it works well <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I love that, you know, that's not in the book at all. There is no scene where Darcy's <laughs> shirt is plastered to his chest, but somehow it has to be in every movie version. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, for me, that is tied with Fire Island, <laughs> uh, which is a modern retelling oh. about um, a, a gay men in Long Island in a like resort town. Um, oh, retelling. I've not heard of this. This sounds amazing. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, it's very dirty. Like you, <laughs> you should oh. be ready for it to be very different than Pride and Prejudice. Um, okay. But it's, it's great. Cause it's within, it takes place within this sort of like raunchy 
party culture, but it has, it's, it really is a retelling of Pride and Prejudice and it has that sort of like core of sweetness and thoughtfulness that Pride and Prejudice yeah. has. Um, oh, which wow. is so that's what I love as well the core story of Prime Prejudice I mean also there was like the Bollywood version and we've got the the real old kind of Colin Firth version the the main central story works so well across so many different you know you can have it culturally and it works so well I wonder if that's mm-hmm. what keeps drawing us back to it time time again so. I think also just like Jane Austen does such an amazing job of writing people you recognize um and you know even across time across centuries you read it and you see your neighbors and yourself and your exes and it makes it easier than maybe some other things would be to sort of transpose to a different setting yeah and what comes next for you in terms of what you work on next so you've obviously written the retelling of a book that you adore Mm -hmm. what do you go where do you go from there I'm writing another retelling (laughs) Oh, oh cool what I was gonna ask is it another retelling but I you never yeah. know yeah I um I feel like I have more to do in this um in this sort of like genre infused version of Pride and Prejudice and more to say about the Bennett sisters so Ooh. um I am working on a book that centers on Mary Bennett the middle sister um sort of like intense nerdy Mary um yeah because you don't ever see a lot of mary either in any kind of remakes or tv yeah. thing she's always kind of just floating around in the background being like again vaguely annoying just kind of floating around there a bit judgy yeah uh, yeah judgy a little annoying kind of pretentious uh, but again in a very teenage way um yeah. i think that you know when i was 16 or 17 however old mary is i probably spent more time reading books than talking to humans and so yeah when i tried to talk to humans i sounded like a book like how do I speak to humans the book hasn't taught me this bit I was the same yeah I would be lost <laughs> in these books and then real life it hadn't really taught me how to do real life mm-hmm. yeah and yeah I would just end up talking like a book character or with four syllable words I am um, so do you see yourself kind of working in retellings moving forward or do you think you've got original stories to come as well um I think probably something original after this I'm i don't want to get tired of I don't want to get tired of Pride and Prejudice specifically Very and I fair. don't want yeah. to get burned out on this kind of writing <laughs> yeah. either when you work on um, it too much yeah um I think one more of these and then something different well this I, comes out yeah. in October here in the UK right so mm-hmm. perfect for fall it's mm-hmm. what we need a good witchy read for Halloween and now look I I feel like this would be very obvious if the Bennets are coming to your novel evening, but I'm wondering if they might play a part in it. Oh, interesting. Um, I had Lydia and Elizabeth on my list. Ooh, okay. Um, I didn't honestly even think about inviting the rest of them. (laughs) Very mean of me. (laughs) Well, first and foremost, the main Mm -hmm. question is, where are we going to go for your evening? So I was very torn. Maybe you can help me decide. I think my favorite place for to take people out is um, Peking Duck House in Chinatown in Lower Manhattan. Peking Duck is my favorite food in the world. You can't, you know, you can't like get it that easily. Really well done. Um, yeah, especially not in the UK. <laughs> which is because you guys have like ducks way more available than... We it, really it, do. I'm not yeah. sure we know what to do with them. 
<laughs> yeah, I was very excited the first time I came there and I saw that like Pret-a-Manger had duck wraps and then I tried one and I was like, oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, n- no, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do, I feel like Chinatown is where you have to go if you want to find really good authentic food. And even then I think you have to scour to find the mm. really hot spots. Mm-hmm. So already this is, because I love duck as well. So this is already a pretty good spot, but what is the alternative? Um, A red wall feast. Okay. Did you did you okay. read the Redwall books when you were a kid? Do you know what? I didn't. But one oh. of my other guests, who was actually a neighbor of mine, she came on and talked all about Redwall and the cooking book that you can buy for Redwall. You can get a cooking book to teach you how to make the feasts oh from my it. Gosh. And she got so in-depth about like the breads and the cheeses <laughs> and the honeys and the... So now I'm not sure because I love Peking Duck, but also this... I mean, could we do both? Could we like drop into one and end up at the other? Like appetizers at the duck house and then we swing mm-hmm. by Red Wolf for Yeah, Maine? we split a duck and then we hit yeah. ourselves with a shrink ray and scamper off into the we woods and on- have a Red Wolf feast. There we go. See, we- there's always ways around, like loopholes through this. I find <laughs> if we really want to do it, anything goes. Okay. And I'm guessing we're going to be accompanied by all the little critters that live there, that serve us and live within the walls. We're going to be joined by anyway. So they're going to be there, right? Yeah, sure. I didn't think about them as guests, quite honestly. Um, I was just thinking about like... Live-in servants, right? More than... Yeah, I mean, I picture those like super long banquet tables from like a medieval feast. I figured I would would show up with my party and we'd like have one corner of one of the tables and... We'd be oh, hanging like out this. with the other animals, but if they didn't want to talk about books with us, that would be okay. <laughs> I mean, it might be slightly strange for your guests, but I think they I think they could get on board with it. So we know that two of the Bennett sisters are coming. Mm. How do you think that's going to go down with them? With the two Bennett sisters? Yeah. Um, I guess it. I, I feel like the most fun way to do this uh, would be not to tell them that the other one was coming. Uh, Ooh, drama. <laughs> because... Uh, they drive each other crazy. Is this Lydia is in from your book kind of later on in events? Or are we talking Pride and Prejudice era? I think this is Lydia from, yeah, let's say Lydia from after the events of my book. So slightly older and wiser, but also Elizabeth is a lot madder at her. Because of what Maybe she, she won't find it that strange being surrounded by talking animals then. This might be okay for her. Yeah, this might be, you know she can sort of like show elizabeth the ropes for once oh and we might have some drama we might have some sister sister drama Mm -hmm. going on okay they might have to be set apart eventually maybe maybe i think lydia would be a good person to have at a a dinner party because you know she's going to bring some drama like it's not going to be boring if she's there she says what's on her mind secretly i just love the drama as long as i'm not in it yeah I love yeah. some drama. Okay. So the Bennett sisters have arrived. We're going to split our duck and then head on to uh, to Rebel. Who's next? Who else did I have? Let's see. Um, so I've, I thought a lot about authors who I'm like very fond of their books, but there yeah. were a lot of people who I'm fond of their books, but I'm like, I actually don't want to hang out with you. <laughs> um, so this list is sort of people who the the authors are sort of actor or, or sort of writers who I think would actually be a good hang and would okay, have books cool. that I want to talk about um so I, I agree I with that I think that's very fair I think I would invite Jane Austen I think she's probably a great party guest 
it'd be very interesting to see her and the Bennett sisters mm-hmm. together. Very interesting to see what Elizabeth would think of Jane Austen. Because Jane Austen is really proud of Elizabeth. She wrote at some point that Elizabeth is the most charming creation that she ever made. Um, but the Bennett sisters are actually they're like a step or two above Jane Austen socially. You know, Jane Austen never got married, daughter of a clergyman, yeah. uh, didn't really have any money of her own. She was definitely a gentlewoman, but um, I'm not sure what, I, I, I think I'm picturing, you know, adult Jane Austen near the end of her life. And I'm, yeah, yeah I don't know what, what Elizabeth Bennett's first impression of this mm-hmm. slightly, maybe slightly shabby single old maid would be. And it'd be interesting because you'd be able to find out what Jane thinks of your incarnation of Lydia. Oh, I want I, I changed my mind. I don't want her there. <laughs> I feel like Jane would be quite open. I think she'd be very flattered. I hope so. Uh it's not, you know, I don't have her incisive ability to do social commentary, so she might she might find it too silly, but you never know. You never know. Yeah. Okay. So Jane's arrived, and are we sitting her with the Bennets? I think you gotta. You gotta, yeah. Again, yeah. there could be some dramas here. I, I'm mm-hmm. living for this. Okay, mm-hmm. who's gonna be next? Let's have, you know, these are not gonna be very original choices, but let's have William Shakespeare. Okay. I Another mean, one who I just think he would be a really good party guest. See, I don't, and it's interesting because you hear a lot of stories about Shakespeare. And what he was like, and we obviously have his, and whether he wrote his plays, whether or not they were actually by him, if he actually was the playwright, you know, did he just up and abandon his wife and his children and jolly off to London? And, mm. you know, there'd be, a, I think he's got a bit of a darker side. Yeah. But for a dinner party, you might want a little of that. I'll, I'll you, I just realized where this is coming from, actually. Um, I don't know if you, if this has been in the news in the UK. But I'm a member. I'm a member of the uh, Writers Guild of America, the yeah. Union of Screenwriters, and we're on strike. We've been on yes. strike all summer, um, starting in April or May. Um, so I've been picketing a lot this summer and spring. Yeah. And around July, it was getting really desperate, <laughs> or yeah. I was feeling desperate. Like we were still doing well, but the pickets were. Um, some of them were a little more sparsely attended because people were just really tired. We'd been doing it for yeah. so long. Um, and then the actors went on strike and they joined us on the picket line. And oh my God, it was so much better. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think like, I really, I, I have a party here that's mostly writers and I think you need one actor um, to really bring yeah. the energy and the chaos. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Mm-hmm. And he's a writer and, also, and an actor, so he could, you know. Yeah, he's got both, both things. under. Yeah, and also, you know, he. I imagine he had to be quite a flamboyant character. I feel like most, like, I feel like to do what he did to kind of like succeed yeah. as a writer and as and he a, really a driving member. Nowhere. Yeah, you know, he was mm-hmm. he was a man from a very small town. Stratford is beautiful, so very jealous of that. But, you know, he traveled, he married young, and he set up. But I would like to know about the truth behind his... Another you know, good reason to, to to bring him 
mm. here i think uh, sorry brilliant. the truth about his authorship or the truth about his marriage <laughs> all of it i want the, yeah. i want the real shakespeare to stand up and mm-hmm. give me the facts i want to know him mm-hmm. yeah whoever wrote shakespeare's plays that's who i want there <laughs> yeah. um, i think it was yeah. william shakespeare but oh that could be a shock if some rando walked in mm-hmm. like who are you okay <laughs> so shakespeare's know. coming have you mm-hmm. got more writers coming i think i mostly invited writers oh. um so let's see yeah i think i would invite i, I actually went pretty hard on the chaos here um Herman Melville because I'm in the middle of reading um Moby Dick and it's insane um I don't know how that book got a reputation for being boring it's one of the weirdest books I've ever read like it's hard to read I've never read Moby Dick for that reason (laughs) it because it has the because I'd heard it was boring (laughs) it's not it's so strange I mean it's I guess it's you could say that it's boring in the sense that it's not easy to read because right. it is so weird. Um, but it has, you know, it takes place in like, I think the 1850s America and there's a, a gay wedding in the first two chapters. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Um, and one of the chapters about 300 pages in is just a play for no reason. And then it goes back to prose. Um, sometimes... Wow for like chapters on end he'll just list kinds of whales some of which he made up um it's it's amazing i recommend I my recommend. question might be is herman what were you on when you wrote moby dick what was going on there i think he was on manic depression is <laughs> what i think i think unmedicated manic episode yeah like that sounds that sounds yeah and i can get on board with that myself <laughs> so i'd be like let's talk <laughs> let's discuss where maybe dick came from maybe we'll see if we can get you some therapy while we're hanging out at the peking duck house let's break this yeah. down what was maybe dick Herman, why, is it, why is it so short <laughs> you could have gotten 500 pages longer man come on yeah um, okay so herman's joining i mean it'd be interesting to see shakespeare and melville and austin and the bennett sisters this is a this is a mix mm-hmm. yeah um and then i oh i did have another austin character um lady susan who is one of my favorites hey um even more chaotic than lydia but more deliberate um okay lady susan is after after pride and prejudice and persuasion it's probably the austin book that i have reread the most i love it so much it falls apart at the end but it is so funny um and you really get to see this other side of austin because it centers on Lady Susan, who is a monster, but she's oh. basically the protagonist. Um, and you You're can tell that- You invite her to your party. <laughs> yeah, well, again, I think good party guest. Like, don't lend her money uh, and don't get romantically entangled with her. But if you sit next to her at a party, you're going to have a great time. Okay. Okay, so we've got another character. Have you got any anyone else coming? Mm. This is getting to be a big party. It is, but it's- it's interesting yeah so I think I would have this is almost all writers (laughs) um I would probably invite Terry Pratchett because the Discworld books are just like my comfort books absolutely and he would just you know what I feel like he would fare well in any group of people I, I mean yeah I think so and I think I would just really like to say to him how much his books have meant to me in the last few years yeah. um 
I really hadn't, like, I didn't read them as a kid, but I really came to them, I think, starting during the pandemic. And I just thought, oh, oh these are lovely. Yeah. They are. His imagination and his attention to detail is mm-hmm. wild. Like, his brain was on, like, anything. Yeah. And he really, like, just did world building in a way that feels effortless. And um, so funny. So, so funny. funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he wasn't afraid of you inserting humor in a big way in his books, but they're still quite dark and they are political in some ways. And there's a lot of social commentary in there, but they're still hugely funny. Yeah. They're, they're still really funny. But as you say, like, he's not afraid of um, kind of taking big swings and talking yeah. about some pretty dark stuff. Also, whenever yeah. I've watched interviews with him, like, I would love him to have been my granddad. He was, he's mm. just, he's like a warm hug, Terry Pratchett. Whenever you hear him talk or, that's an excellent choice. And I feel like he'd love Redwall. Yeah. <laughs> he would do very well there, I think. Oh, man. A Redwall Discworld crossover would be amazing. Oh, my goodness. Wouldn't it just, oh, my word. Okay. okay. I feel like these, that these almost are works. strong choices. These are very strong choices. <laughs> these are strong personalities as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel like he would be a good one to sort of smooth things over. He seems like a nice, a nice guy. Um, I think I would invite Neil Gaiman so Terry Pratchett has someone to talk to and maybe I could bully Neil Gaiman into letting me write for the third season of Good Omens. Uh, I mean the dream the mm-hmm. absolute dream and also again what, the imagination is mm-hmm. and his books are dark but again very funny. Yeah dark but funny and just like I don't know beautiful in an almost visual way um, yeah. I mean literally visual with the graphic novels but yeah, yeah I'm a big okay. fan of his. I'm um, not just trying to yeah. picture Neil and William Shakespeare like hanging out, being <laughs> served mead by rats. <laughs> like my brain like, is like. <laughs> I feel like they would get along. I feel like Jane Austen would kind of like look sideways at some of these people and be writing mean things about them in her head. But she probably did that with most people most of the time. I would imagine. Yeah, I think. But I don't know. I feel like Elizabeth would. I feel like she's quite a conversationalist. She loves mm-hmm. reading and books. So I think she'd be very intrigued, especially with Shakespeare there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she'd have a lot, a lot of questions. questions. For is, this your, is this your party or do you have some more? Oh, my last one. Oh. Oh, two more. Okay. Two more. Okay. <laughs> I thought I'd throw in a contemporary one um, or like someone who, I guess Neil, Neil Gaiman is contemporary, but one more. N.K. Jemison, because I'm rereading. Um, her oh I can't remember the name of the of her series but she she has this amazing series that's set like 10,000 years in the future when the earth is like riven with earthquakes and there are people born oh, with the ability to like just read it yeah and has been posting about it and the name has escaped me as well but I've never read it is it the ninth uh, no, the, fifth season. the fifth, fifth season, season. The fifth season that's one. it yeah. my numbers were completely wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was away off but yeah I've never read it and they've raved about it so and you've now made me want to read it even more so yeah I yeah check it out it's really really amazing it's really it's super super dark like it's honestly darker than I can usually handle (laughs) um but it's just I don't know it's so it's written so well and the characters are so believable that I just yeah I love it and they're gonna fit in very well with Terry Pratchett and Neil I think that I I would bet money that they have both read her books and they would probably 
I mean, they probably knew each other in real life. Yeah, probably. Uh, pro- yeah. But I like so they this. can hang out. They can have a little click at one end of, end of the table of fantasy sci-fi writers. Yeah. Um, and then my last one, I figured uh, my old boss, Samantha B, she wrote a book. And I would, ah. you know, just in case I got shy, I would invite her. So I had a friend there. I like that. And how would she fit in with this group of people? That's a great question. I mean, I feel like she would probably... I mean, she's definitely read Jane Austen, so she would definitely have stuff to talk to her about. Um, she's read Shakespeare, of course, and probably done Shakespeare, so she could talk to Shakespeare. Um, but she's also just like in an almost sort of like Austen-y way. She's a very good conversationalist. She's a pretty quiet yeah. person, but she can talk to anybody. Um, so if I felt too awkward and weird, which does happen to me at <laughs> dinner parties sometimes, um, I could sort of like hide next to her and glom onto whatever fun conversation she was having I feel like I would just be very starstruck I don't feel like I would be able to speak in this group of people I think I would just listen (laughs) that's why I'm bringing Sam I figure if I can't talk Sam can do it for me Sam would be able to do it well look Mm -hmm. I think you what I like is you've not shied away here at all these are people this is a strong evening (laughs) it's a strong evening with a lot of strong characters all of whom in their own right are fantastic. So I feel like I, I should think... have gone harder on phys- on uh, fictional characters. I didn't really fully explore the possibilities there. No. Uh, but... but there are just so many authors who I would love to meet, you know? Yeah. And you know what? So many of them are now no longer with us. Mm. And that's the other thing. You know, you might not have fictional, but you're bringing people back from the beyond for one night only. Mm-hmm. You can't beat that. Even if I am going to grill William Shakespeare for about three <laughs> hours, like tell me the truth about your wife. Tell me about the other woman. Who was oh, Lady let's talk about the second best bed. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness, honestly. And I've been to his house as well. Oh, um, really? You can you can visit, and it's oh, I didn't it's know a, that. Yes, if you go to Stratford Avon, highly recommend it. You can go to Shakespeare's house and his birthplace. They're both open that you can go and see with miscellaneous i'm pretty sure the second best bed is is still remaining oh my god oh i gotta see that i'm obsessed yeah with and you can visit his grave he's buried mm-hmm. in the church so you can go and and it's actually very peaceful people kind of just go in very quietly and lots of things are kind of left and it's a really beautiful place but i would be asking why why that why is that what mm-hmm. you left i i really want to know i read a theory uh by it was some academic i don't know who said that um so you know Shakespeare didn't leave his money to his wife he left it to his kids he only left his wife the second best bed um which seems like a real insult but this academic was saying the best bed would have been for guests the second best bed would have been the one they slept in and because I was gonna say where was the best bed where did that end up yeah um and you know his money probably as a family he would have the money would have gone to the kids anyway and they would be expected to take yeah. care of their mom. Um, so this person had a theory that it wasn't an insult. He wasn't cutting her out, that he knew their kids were going to take care of her and this and leaving her the second best bed was a sentimental romantic thing. Oh, well, um, if that's what like... he says, I'll be okay with that. <laughs> if that's yeah. his response, I'll be like, oh, cute. Like, mm-hmm. that, that's fine with me. Yeah, but we got honestly... to pour a bottle of wine into him. 
and that's gonna work says. i feel mm-hmm. like they could drink more in those vegan times though so it might be me under the <laughs> table and shakespeare's doing just great eating his duck and his medieval feast so well we i think be- our beer is stronger than theirs was so <laughs> yeah we don't water down our alcohol especially not yeah. in the uk we don't water yeah. down when you guys <laughs> have things like sparkling cider i love that i lived in canada for a while and they brushed out like sparkling cider mm-hmm. our cider is a very different beast let me I tell know. you <laughs> My younger sister uh, went to the University of Edinburgh and her, I went to a bar with her when she was in school and she ordered cider and I was like, oh, that's so classy. You're like 19 and you're ordering cider to drink. And then (laughs) it tasted like cough syrup. Yeah, I come from the land of cider. Um, It's what we do best in the Southwest. We love a cider. Um, I think we're weaned on it as children, probably. It's what we get given. But it is yeah when when we had sparkling cider i was like this is just apple juice yeah (laughs) (laughs) this is just very nice apple juice now here yeah sometimes when it's really really dark we have a cider called red cider Uh, that stuff is lethal so if you're ever in the uk i would recommend just so you can say you've done it red cider red cider that Mm. will put hairs on your chest (laughs) (laughs) so that's i'll have to check that out and before i let you go and enjoy the rest of your afternoon uh, I have to ask if you're reading anything at the moment. I'm going through a phase where I'm reading like 10 different things at once. Well, I so. cannot do that. I can't <laughs> even understand people who do that. This is alien to me. Yeah, I didn't, I don't know how I became one of these people. I used to always read sequentially, but now it's like I have a different book for every hour of the day. Um, uh, so yeah, do you want a recommendation for, let's see, horror or... A classic novel or I already talked about Moby Dick Do you want, give or... me a horror because I'm trying to be less of a wimp and I'm okay. trying to read some horror yeah tis the season um yeah exactly I'm trying to be brave <laughs> so I'm in the middle of Stephen King's it um, okay no <laughs> <laughs> I have an awful phobia of clowns so all right maybe not that one straight out of the gate um, yeah. I haven't read enough. My mum loves Stephen King as well. And I've not read enough of his books, um, probably because I'm a wimp. But it's, yeah. it, it, it it breaks my humongous. heart sometimes. Yeah. It's such it's, a huge book. Yeah, he writes really long books. Um, yeah. I I really love his writing and it, it, it hurts me sometimes that he almost always writes horror because I'm a fraidy cat. So I've been reading it for about four months because it's very long and I will only read it in public when there are people around I can't read it by myself Uh, I'm so glad so have you ever read The Silent Companions by Laura Purcell no I don't think so I would highly recommend it um okay Silent Companions are basically like painted boards from I'm not going to say a number for the century because I always get it wrong but they were based like almost like life-size painted boards that would be put in like stately homes so you could like move them around at parties and stuff like a bit of an oddity and I read that book and I would only read it in bright sunshine. Again, when there were people around, I could not read it at nighttime. And I went to a stately home and there was one there and I had to leave because it was too much. Oh. <laughs> so I'm glad I'm not really alone with the this. daytime. <laughs> yeah, it really helps. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll like go to the restaurant around the corner and just like read a chapter or two with uh, a glass of wine and then. I'm like, oh, like maybe who's I'll... this woman who keeps coming in just reading it? Like a pit, yep. like three pages of it and then leaves. <laughs> what is she doing? I mean, I That's wish you well, because I've heard it's horrific. <laughs> it is uh, very, very frightening. I don't know if I'm going to make it through, but it's very good. 
Oh my God. How far through are you? I, I think I'm a, I might only be like a third of the way through. <laughs> You're literally like three pages. I've done, I've done my bit. I'm reading it very slowly. <laughs> I usually read a book in about three days, but this one, I, I, I I'm really, oh my gosh. I'm, I'm taking care of my emotions. Are you reading anything kind of contemporary or? Yeah, um, I just read, uh, I think it's called I Kiss Shara Wheeler. Um, it's a it's a contemporary romance YA. Um, it's by Casey McQuiston. They wrote that, uh, this is the first one of theirs that I've read, but they wrote that one about like uh, the 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 crown prince of England falling in love with the oh, president wait. of America's son. Red oh red white and blue, something like that. Yeah, red white and oh, royal blue. Yeah, that's the one. That mm-hmm. sounds more like something I could do. When you said it, I was like, no, no. <laughs> this I could probably read at nighttime as well, which would be a bonus. Uh, definitely, there are no clowns in this one whatsoever. I feel like it's that kind of like your foil book. So you read like three pages of it, and then you go into something like that to like soften the blow a bit. Mm-hmm. yeah the book that I'm writing on now has some sort of like horror gothic overtones so I've been trying to read more of that but like mm-hmm. it's honestly pretty hard for me so I would highly recommend for like gothic Laura Purcell is amazing all her books Laura are kind Purcell. of like uh yeah. historical but they all have a uh, the silent companions is definitely the scariest I'm gonna but they all have out. like kind of dark gothic undertones uh would definitely recommend and look i'm gonna let you go and enjoy the rest of your day this has been such a pleasure and i wish you all the best with the book thank you so much this was uh really such a fun conversation <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day thank you you too <laughs>